You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hi, I'm Shelley MacArthur Everett, and you're listening to Marketing News Canada. Today, I'm excited to welcome our next guest, Catherine Matricki. Catherine is a proud Winnipegger, alumna of the University of British Columbia, and she is also the founder and CEO of Calia Flowers, a tech-enabled startup disrupting the flower industry in 55 cities across Canada and now in two states in the U.S. Named as one of Canada's top-growing companies in 2021 by the Globe and Mail, Calia does flowers differently, creating incredible experiences in cities across Canada for both the sender and the recipient. It prides itself on delivering fresh, hand-tied seasonal bouquets, which customers order online in only five clicks, guaranteeing a luxury delivery experience in their beautiful signature blue box. Hi, Catherine. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing really well, Shelley. How are you? So good. Really great to connect with you. I'm a huge fan of Calia and a customer myself. So... Yeah. Tell me a little bit about... I I know. Yeah. (laughs) I sent flowers actually to a good friend a few weeks ago. And coincidentally, she sent me a photo this morning of the bouquet and said, they are drying so beautifully. Like there's just something about a bouquet that not only looks amazing when it's fresh, but that it lasts so long after that as well. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things we're known for. I had a customer last Christmas who said that she sent a photo at, I want to say the end of January, maybe even early February, saying that her bouquet had lasted for seven weeks. And it's kind of a cool thing about Calia. And, you know, it's part of how we, we source our bouquets, how we make our bouquets, all the rest of it. But it's something that I get a lot of pride out of because flowers are so special and you should get to enjoy them for as long as you can. So I love that your friend had that experience. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Take us back to the beginning. How did Calia come to be? Yeah, so I started Calia almost five years ago now. And at the time I was working in marketing, shout out marketing news. Um, And I wanted to send my best friend flowers because she got promoted. And I was back to back in meetings, as I think a lot of people in marketing will connect with. And so I didn't have time. I didn't want to, you know, call a florist and spend a bunch of time on the phone trying to describe what I wanted. I didn't trust any of kind of the online syndicates, like a 100 flowers or whomever else to deliver something that I thought reflected, you know, the relationship that I wanted to send. And I didn't want to go to the grocery store and buy something myself. And so I was really stuck. You know, I wanted to celebrate this special moment with her. And and at the end of the day, I ended up sending her a text message, Shelly, saying, you know, congrats on your promotion. And I felt awful about it. You know, surely someone could take this industry and then make it easier for people to send flowers, make it a more reliable experience. Making something that, you know, you have the idea to send flowers, you can send them right away. And so a few short months later, Calia was born. And still, you know, for us, the idea of making those moments where you can connect with someone that you care about is really the essence of why we built this business. I love that. I'm a huge flower sender myself and I have my trusted florists in Vancouver where I live, but I find it really hard to find those florists in other cities because I don't know them very well. So what I love about Calia is that you've now become my trusted florist and I know that the experience and the product is going to be consistent no matter which city it's in. So... Yeah. And that's something, you know, early on, we talked about how did we want to position this brand? Again, a classic marketing conversation. And one of the analogies that we came to is that we actually want to be kind of like the Starbucks of floral. You know, if you think about the coffee industry before Starbucks came in, whether you're a Starbucks fan or not, I think there's a lot of debate on both sides, but it was traditionally a really mom and pop industry of coffee shops. You know, you could get a great experience, really artisanal, really high quality, amazing. 
and you'd have your coffee shop around the corner that you loved. But as soon as you drive to the other side of the city or, you know, across the country, it, it starts to get, you know, a bit hit or miss in terms of you can get a great experience or not one that really is quite what you're looking for or your particular taste. And Starbucks came in and said, look, we're going to give you this consistent branded experience every single time. So you know exactly what to expect. And I think that's something we've heard from customers in the floral, especially when they're buying online. You know, they see this photo online and then the thing that actually shows up in person is so different. Totally you know, different. Different colors, yeah. different flowers, half dead. Like there's there's lots of things that can go wrong between what you thought you were going to buy and what you actually received or, or the person you care about received. And so part of what we've really tried to deliver is that trust that consistency that every single time you order Calia's Choice Bouquet from, from us, whether it's in Vancouver or Toronto or Cleveland these days, it's the same as if you order, you know, a grande caramel macchiato, like you know exactly what you're getting. And then that for us is part of the, the guarantee that we have for our customers, that what you see is always what you get and the experience is going to be outstanding every time. And you only actually offer three bouquets and that is intentional, I'm assuming. It is. So I'm a marketing nerd, yeah, by by trade. And one of my favorite studies is around tyranny of choice. And so it's the old jam analogy, which I learned. choices. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that kind of chicken and egg for us. You know, I knew that for me, as much as I love flowers, I had a really difficult time, you know, going online or talking to a florist and they said, well, what kind of bouquet do you want? I don't know, like a pink one, like a not nice too expensive one, a nice, one, a nice one. one, right? And your typical consumer thinks about flowers as a fairly commodity-based category. And when you give them too many options, it actually is just overwhelming. And so I knew that that was something that we wanted to do from a consumer perspective, because at the end of the day, you want something nice, you want something really fresh, and you probably want a couple choices, but anything beyond that is just overwhelming. And so we built our business that we only offer three bouquets at a time based on what's in season, and then we rotate them out every four to six weeks. We always have a neutral, a pastel, and a bright bouquet, but it's always based on what's in season. And so, you know, we just finished sunflowers. Now we're getting to Christmas greens. We'll do tulips in the spring, those kinds of things. But it means that we're able to offer not only higher quality bouquets, fresher bouquets, but also better value because, you know, trying to buy tulips in November or sunflowers in April is difficult, which means that the consumer bears the cost. And so, again, one of the ways we're able to get that consistency is because of the limited skew selection that we offer. And it also means that we're able to get, you know, the freshness and quality. You know, your typical florist has to hold hundreds of different kinds of flowers in their cooler because of the one guy that wants to come in and buy yellow tulips in December. Um, But that means that those yellow tulips might have been sitting there for, you know, weeks before they get delivered to a customer. In our case, because we only have these three bouquets, we're able to turn over our inventory much more quickly. And so that means that the quality of flowers, just like your friend experienced, is often higher, which translates into a longer lifespan. And at the end of the day, I think that's part of the experience. You know, you want your flowers to be amazing on day one, but you also want them to be amazing on day 10. And that's part of the way we've designed our business to make sure that you get that experience all the way. Perfect. And I'm sure that's helped you scale a lot faster as well. And to know that product in all of the different markets. I think, you know, scale is really interesting in the floral industry. When I thought I was building this business, I thought I was building a traditional direct-to-consumer kind of distribution center model. So I thought we were going to set up a warehouse here in Winnipeg and we were going to ship flowers all over the continent. I was going to do, you know, a pretty Shopify website. It was going to be, you know, marketing-led, brand-led. That's what I knew. And I thought that was kind of it. Like, let's roll e-commerce. Um, but what we learned very quickly was that this is actually a very different industry. And so when you think about your traditional e-commerce dynamics, flowers have a number of different factors. One is that you're dealing with highly perishable products. So flowers are not t-shirts. 
You can't just throw them in the mail and, you know, they'll be fine when they get to the destination. They're very perishable from an inventory perspective. They're also quite fragile. Think about temperature and being from Winnipeg, that's a huge factor for us. You're also dealing with this really interesting date and time dynamic. You know, if grandma's birthday is today, flowers have to arrive by 3 p.m. today. You're not putting them in the mail to arrive sometime in five to 10 business days. And then the last dynamic is around sender recipient. You know, your traditional e-commerce or even food delivery, you're ordering for yourself. You know exactly where you're going to be, you know, you know, your phone number and your address and all those things. And so you've got a high accuracy of delivery information. In flowers, you're sending to someone that you don't know, sometimes even don't know very well. And so the number of times where it's, you know, flowers are supposed to arrive, but they've gone out of town or a different address or there's all these things that can change. And the summary is that those three dynamics, perishability, the date and time specificity, and the sender-recipient dynamic have meant that we've had to really change the way that we have built the scale of the business. And so we have local warehouses in every single one of our regions. We manage our own drivers end-to-end because we want to make the best experience in sending flowers and in sending gifting. We've had to reinvent a lot of things about the traditional e-commerce industry or direct-to-consumer industry in order to to make that true. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you describe Calia as more of a tech company, not a flower business. Yeah. And, you know, we we describe Cali as a tech company and a logistics company as much as a flower business because of, you know, those different e-commerce dynamics in order to make sure that, you know, when I say what you see online is what you're going to get delivered and it can be delivered as fast as today, we have to do a ton of work on the back end from a physical and technology infrastructure to be able to deliver that. You know, the flowers that are available for you today in Vancouver are different than the flowers that are going to be available for you next week in Halifax or two weeks from now in Minnesota. And so, We've had to build a really interesting infrastructure on tech and logistics to be able to guarantee that experience. And at the end of the day, the choices we make as a company are how do we guarantee the customer experience? Every choice from marketing, from logistics, from tech, from operations is around how we make sure that experience is absolutely outstanding. And it's led us to become a tech company and for me to become a tech CEO in ways that I I didn't expect that we would, but it's been a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, when I started Calia, I did it as a side project. I had been working in marketing and was looking for something, you know, interesting to go throw some weekend energy into. And I was looking for what I knew, you know, consumer packaged goods nerd. I knew consumer. I was a millennial, so I knew digital. And I thought, you know, let's find an industry that has the need for some disruption. And flowers, as we talked about, is certainly an industry that that has been difficult to order consistently from a branded and digital experience. But then as we started to build a business, you know, what I thought was going to be a marketing-led business transitioned quickly into being how do you deliver a better experience because better experiences are easier to market and then if you're going to deliver a better experience or a better product how do you create the engine on the back end to be able to do that and so we've really pivoted from being a traditional kind of marketing e-commerce company into this tech and logistics engine and i think it's been a really cool ride while we've done it that's awesome from a marketing perspective what channels are you focused on You know, we are e-commerce and so we lead with digital. We always have, especially in early stage for startup, you don't have budget for much else, right? So it's easy to see some tight ROAS on your social spend, on your search spend. We used to be a lot, you know, grittier in early days. I remember sitting on Instagram late nights and I had this idea that personalization was going to be really important to get people to convert. And so I would sit and make custom promo codes for every single person on Instagram that I could find that I would follow and then they would follow back. So we'd follow you, Shelly, and then you'd follow back. And I'd say like, hey, Shelly, thanks so much for following us. Love for you to try Calia. Here's your custom promo code. Shelly tries Calia 10. And I'd go and make these promo codes and the whole thing back 
and forth, you know, man, when I think back of it, like that's that great. Incredibly <laughs> time consuming. <laughs> yeah, I somehow I found a boyfriend who turned into a husband during that time, but I actually don't know how because like, yeah, there were some late nights doing some weird stuff. But yeah. at the same time, I think some of that initial grittiness then it enabled us to get some early traction and enables us to start to be able to raise some capital to have budgets to be able to spend in social and in search. And now as we continue to expand, I think a couple big milestones for us. One is that we are national across Canada. So we opened in Quebec in August, which now takes us coast to coast, every province, almost all of every province except for the territory. So something that I'm really proud of. And so now we have the ability to do national buys. And we also at this stage of the business have some more dollars to devote towards marketing. And so we're starting to do more traditional. We're looking at TV. I think there'll be some things happening as we come into Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. But being able to do things on a bigger scale is exciting. But it was kind of neat. I think that the marketing group will appreciate, you know, when we were first building campaigns, it was like, uh oh, we need content for tomorrow. What are we going to say? And now, you know, I just approved a brief for the agency that's building out our Valentine's Day campaigns, and we're, you know, three months out and it's going to be TV. And that's so cool, right? Like these are, these are real things. And so it's neat to see the evolution of really scrappy startup turn into a more real marketing program. So, speaking of raising capital, you had a successful appearance on Dragon's Den. Was that, would you say, the catalyst to your growth or where did that come in the, in the life cycle? You know, we went on Dragon's Den, so that was 2018. And it was really an inflection point for the company. Up until that point, we'd been in Winnipeg and some of Western Canada. We really just decided that we were going to take the business to the next level. And so that for us meant two things. One, we wanted to go national. And two, we needed an equity investment to get there. And so... I think for us, Dragon's Den accomplished two things. One, you know, we, we raised capital, which helped us to continue to grow into the East. And also, you know, the Dragon's Den platform is pretty powerful when it comes to PR and recognition. And especially over the last year, people hanging at home watching Netflix, like there's a lot of people rewatching old apps. And so that's been really cool to see. We've also been fortunate to be able to work with Manjeet and some really good kind of mentorship and partnerships that have come as a result. And so it's a neat kind of history or piece of our history. But really for me, it marks that shift from, you know, this smaller kind of startup stage, business out of Winnipeg, small team into like, okay, we're going to take this national, now international, and really scale it in a meaningful way. And now you're in two states in the US, Minnesota and Ohio. Why those states? Yeah, I know it's non-traditional, right? We're saying we're going to the U.S. and everybody's going like, okay, New York, LA, LA Portland. The plan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're really intentional about where we are great. And where we are great is the intersection of really difficult delivery and temperature. And so when we look at typical cities where we've done well, like an Edmonton, a Calgary, even a Toronto, they've got good logistics for delivery, but they're typically really cold. <laughs> and if you look at the U.S., you know, New York's a really difficult city to deliver in. L.A., really difficult city to deliver in. But Cincinnati and Cleveland and Minneapolis are a couple million people, decent logistics for delivery, but are also really cold. And the traditional models of deliver flowers by our purulator or a local courier or anything like that aren't able to get that same kind of differentiation or success in those markets that we are. And so we wanted to take the Calia model and take it to places that really needed us. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And Cleveland and Cincinnati and Dayton and Minneapolis. And I'm learning my US geography. We have these like how to be an American chats internally, which is pretty hilarious. And those are cities that we really think are going to be well poised for Cali to be successful. And it's only been a couple of weeks, so things are looking okay. good. So I'm excited about it. And how are you positioning your marketing strategies in those regions versus what you're doing here in Canada? It's a great question. You know, one of the things that we're really proud of in Canada is that we are a Canadian business. We are a prairie-based business and we're female-founded. But you know, those different value props have looked differently in different places. Like in Winnipeg and Manitoba, we play Manitoba really hard because it's cool that there's a national floral company based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. It doesn't really happen. Absolutely. But then we go into Alberta and Saskatchewan and then we play prairie instead of Manitoba, right? It's like prairie is still cool. There's a lot of prairie pride. Then as we go across Canada, we talk about Canadian pride because that's something that certainly we have in core in our DNA. But when we go to the US, like, oh, there's a Canadian company, like that doesn't resonate the same way. And so not at all. We certainly are still playing up um, female founded. We've had our value props more around consistency and availability and timeliness and always matches the picture and the rest. And we've also changed some of our business models. So one of the things we're proud of is that in addition to selling flowers, we also sell, you know, local artisanal gifts made from Canadian makers across the country. You know, we've got these cool jewelry dishes from Manitoba and some incense from BC and all sorts of cool stuff right now. We always rotate them out. So it's a neat opportunity to give national exposure to some earlier stage brands. Um, those are always Canadian and we always really play out the provinces that they're from. Our boxes are made in Canada, all of those things. For the U.S., we've taken that model but applied it to the American ecosystem instead. So, you know, the other gifts that you can order in the U.S. are based in the U.S. And so we talk about, you know, supporting American makers and our boxes in the U.S. are made in the U.S. So we can talk about, you know, proudly made in the U.S. And so 
we're able to take that localization and that national pride and play it in both regions respectively. But it's been an interesting conversation to shift. Even, you know, it's American Thanksgiving. What do you do for American Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's, it's how do you make sure that you can be there for that audience without alienating your core audience? I think it's something we're still trying to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned a lot about, you know, being a female CEO and female founder. I am as well. And you said something in the past where, you know, you don't want to be seen necessarily as a female CEO, but just as a CEO. What does that mean to you? You know, it's, I, I sit on the fence on this all the time, Shelly. I'd love to hear your thoughts because on one side, I think it's really important for women to have role models. You know, I look up to the CEOs of Nix, of Sampler, some of these incredible women that are really forging paths in terms of women being able to raise venture capital and also have families and also be CEOs. Um, Majuri, another great example, right? And I think it's really important to emphasize the opportunities and the role modeling that is available because I am making different choices because of those women as role models. And so that's where I think it's important to highlight it because unless you talk about it, unless you show it, then it's really difficult for the next generation to understand what the options are. At the same time, I really struggle on other stereotypes or other associations that go with this like hashtag boss babe movement, which are really, you know, yeah, it's not, and I think it's a great movement for some people. And I think it's really important for a particular group that are looking for, you know, a level of ownership and entrepreneurship and opportunity. Like there's a great group there, but I think there's a bit of kind of tarring with one brush that's going along right now. And that for me is really frustrating because I don't want to be the best female CEO. I just want to be the best CEO. And I think we need to use the identifier in the scenarios where it matters for role modeling, but take it out in the scenarios where all it does is create division. Yeah. That's such a great take on it. And I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, I absolutely (laughs) agree. I do straddle both as well in that, you know, I, I do want to be a role model for younger females coming up and, and seeing what is possible out there and what we can juggle. I'm a mother as well. So not only do I run a business, I have two children. It's it's a lot. And there's different pressures and expectations on us as not only being a CEO, but as a female as well. And so one of the things that I always struggle with is I always feel like I'm failing someone. So if I'm kicking ass at my job, I'm not spending enough time at home. If I'm spending too much time at home, I'm obviously I must be dropping the ball with a client. So it is a constant juggle. And I think that there are some challenges that we face that we wouldn't if we weren't female. But yeah, I really like your perspective. I think that's a good way to put it. And at the end of the day, I just want people to look at us and say, you know, she's a really phenomenal leader and not defined by your gender. Yeah, I totally agree. But it's something I really debate on back and forth. And you know, how many of the groups do you join and how many of the, you know, we chose one of the funds that we took funding from in this particular last round is female-based. So shout out to Sandpiper based in Nova Scotia of all places. They have this amazing, you know, early stage venture capital fund that they put together and it's all women sponsoring women CEOs or funding women CEOs or women-led companies. And it was important to me that we had someone on our cap table that had that lens because otherwise a lot of our cap table is male dominated. But at the same time, how do you balance those two things? And it's a debate I have on the regular. So I like your perspective too. I'm thinking about leaders and and being a good leader, but it's certainly something that I debate myself. Yeah, for sure. You recently secured some more seed financing as well. And what has that done for you? You know, as we've seen Calia continue to scale across Canada, we knew that there was opportunity for us to continue to grow again. And the way that we're we're growing from a market expansion perspective is, is launching in the US and, and you obviously need capital to do that. So it's a pretty, you know, inputs in and, and we'll look for the outputs in terms of our US business. There's also lots of opportunity in Canada. 
We're also trialing for the first time how Calia can extend beyond just floral gifting and being your partner for floral into other product lines. And so we're launching a new program in the next couple of weeks that is curated by Calia. And so it takes what I was talking about earlier about, you know, curated gifts and local artisanal and takes flowers out of it. So you trust us to deliver flowers, but can you also trust us to deliver a special gift when it doesn't include flowers? And how much do our value props around, you know, perishability and timeliness still matter in that or don't matter? There's some really interesting testing that we're doing. And so really the injection of capital for this is to build out expansion in a couple of different verticals into product, into market, into our team, but really enable us to get to that next level of growth. And we're excited about it. And have you expanded the houseplant stream anymore? There is Ivy, is it? Yeah. So we have this funny project. This was my project. Oh gosh, a year and a half ago and everybody rolled their eyes. <laughs> and so we launched this houseplant business, how we take the Calia model around flowers and apply it into houseplants. It has sat neglected in the corner, um, like most houseplants, which is very ironic. And so we... <laughs> like mine, we, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so we launched this business. I still think it has a lot of legs, Shelly, but it's an interesting challenge. You know, a lot of people that we've seen from our data are buying plants for themselves as opposed to other people. It's, it's a much more common self-purchase than gifting to others. And so in some ways, it's really accretive to our core business, but in other ways, it's very different in terms of the flow that we're really good at is the sender recipient dynamic that I talked about. And so this is actually, you know, in some ways, this conversation is a good summary from a testing and growth perspective. We have this thesis around we're really good at perishable, super timely sender recipient deliveries. And so we're testing each of those three around, well, what if it's only perishable and timely, but it's not for someone else, which would be the plant business? What would happen if it's, timely and for someone else, but it's not perishable, which is our gifting business. And then there's probably some combination of the other two, but I'm not smart enough to to think about it quickly. But it's testing how many of those value props do we need as we start to expand our product line and what actually matters to our customers and what do they see us as more than anything else. And so more to come is my short answer, but a lot of really interesting testing. I have no doubt. Yeah. Who are your customers? I feel like it's, it could be such a range. Yeah, I mean, our our team would say everyone, um, but our marketing team would get a lot tighter. So we tend to have three demos. Our core is younger women, so kind of 25 to 45. We call her Caitlin. Again, marketing nerds, I'm going to go into personas. She tends to be a professional, very busy, lot on the go, could be a young mom, could be working. No, she's you, Shelly, like balancing a million different things. And she's looking for somewhere reliable and easy um, with a a brand that she believes in. And so for us, um, she ends up being our core customer. We often find that she brings in her mom, an interesting kind of second segment for us. And then we have this hilarious segment called men, which is like the craziest demo and psycho segmenting that I've ever heard of, but like it's men. And we see them about his name? a year, Valentine's Day, anniversaries, that kind of thing. And obviously I'm stereotyping inclusivity, DNI, very important to us, but typically those are uh, the three kind of demos and occasions that we see people signing for. And I also think that this is an interesting category because so much of your purchase habits are based off occasions. And so it's a really interesting cycle to market to because if we think about a stereotypical, if I'm sending flowers, probably my best friend's birthday, my mom's birthday and mother's day, those would kind of be my three occasions. Well, if all three of those fall in May, you're going to see me three times in May and you're not going to see me anytime throughout the rest of the year. Right. And so it's really interesting when you look at frequency and purchase cycles and intervals around when you see customers and when you don't, because occasions are very set and specific and either you have an occasion or you don't. And we do lots to try and create more occasions, but 
it's an interesting category to market to because it is so occasion-based. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny. I'm the opposite. I always try and send flowers when people are least expecting it. So if somebody announces a pregnancy, I'll hold off for a couple of months and then send it when it's a surprise. Or if it's a birthday, usually a week before, just try and catch them off guard a little bit. But so you're and the then I don't. Like that's the oh, yeah. best way to send ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need more of you, Shelly. That's what we need. <laughs> I was also pleasantly surprised to see the corporate section on your website as well, because I was like, I was thinking to myself, as I send so many flowers, it's like, how could we make this a little bit easier, a little bit more, you know, effective or um, cost effective? And I went on your website. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course, they've already done it. Yeah. So it's, we had people in your shoes asking for the same thing. You know, I run a business or I send a lot of flowers personally. How can I make it easier? How can I make it cost effective? And so we have corporate programs which you can sign up on in a bunch of different ways, whether it's bulk sending kind of one time or whether you're sending on a consistent monthly basis, most of them, some sort of a VIP program. And within that, not only do you have the ability to order straight from your account so that you're not having to type in credit card details and all the rest of it, but you're also able to get some pretty significant savings. So shout out to the holiday season coming up. Anyone who's looking to gift to employees, gifting to clients, there's a, a great opportunity for you to gift through Calia. We do centerpieces, bouquets, you know, gift sets, those kinds of things. And so a great way for people to help celebrate in a cost-effective and efficient way in all these places across Canada, which I also think is interesting. And I'm curious what's going to happen for 2021. You know, supply chain delays are all over the news, both from a procurement perspective and also from a final model perspective. I think there's going to be some significant challenges as we get into the last couple of weeks of December. And we are prepared to be delivering in every region up until end of day on December 24th with same-day delivery. And so I think it's going to be a good last-minute option for, you know, personally or professionally, people who've waited, you know, traditionally, they're not ordering till the 10th or the 15th. And then they're going to go, oh, no, Amazon can't get it or so-and-so can't get it. And, and we'll, be, we'll be there for you. So shout out to all of you who are panicking the last week of December going, what am I going to send? Please go online. We should be able to help you. Thank you for lighting a fire. I need to get started. <laughs> but also please order early, whether it's yeah, exactly. or for someone else. Because like you can say yeah. all the business owners a big headache, right? Yeah, totally. Are you ready for a little rapid fire? Yeah, let's go. Okay, awesome. So I'll go through the questions. First thing that comes to your mind, short as possible, but uh, here we go. What was your first job? Basic. You a night owl or an early bird? 100% early bird. A cat or a dog person? Dog. What was the first thing you marketed? Razors. Dark chocolate or milk? Dark. What is your favorite word right now? I'm saying awesome a lot. (laughs) I think I've said it a few times in this interview. Awesome. What was the last charity you supported financially or with your time? Breast Cancer Society of Canada. A movie that you love? The Proposal. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) A favorite song or album on repeat right now? Something country, but I don't really do music. (laughs) If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? I don't know if I can think of anything else. What is an app on your phone that you can't live without? Gmail. The best thing you've purchased for under $10? A McFlurry. What's your guiltiest pleasure? McFlurries? It's so funny. Sometimes, (laughs) yeah, when I ask those questions one after another, they often are the same. (laughs) Uh, Your most treasured possession? My dog or my husband. (laughs) 
Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) Don't tell my husband. (laughs) What would your superpower be? Ooh, let's go speed. What was the last thing you Googled? MNC podcast. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? How to build this business. Is there a business or a marketing book that you'd recommend? Hard thing about hard things. A life hack that you'd be willing to share? Inbox zero. Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. Those are hard, awesome. Shelly. It's hard to I share know. the business brain and the personal brain. <laughs> they start off easy and they get a little spicy after that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Before we sign off, what's next for Kalia? You know, I'd love to say world domination. We are really excited about growth. And so the U.S. is a huge focus for us. And so long-term, that'll kind of midterm, that'll be what you continue to see. In the short term, this is where the rubber hits the road from a holiday perspective. So we're going into Christmas, Valentine's Day hits right after that, and then straight into Mother's Day. And then we all take a big break, a big breather for summer. So lots of good things on the horizon, but continuing to have fun, continuing to make people happy and build the best we can. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. I'm a huge fan and I look forward to sending many flowers. You are so sweet, Shelly. Thank you so much for having us. And we're going to get you on a VIP program. <laughs> look for the email. Totally. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.